Gracious God, you've promised that your holy word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire. It will succeed in the matter for which you've sent it. May your word have its way, we pray, in every heart this day, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. In our first reading for this morning, we, we learn about the widow of Zarephath, and um, I think she is a very good example of what we talked about last week, how, how God has uh, democratized generosity. God makes generosity accessible to everyone, rich and poor alike, because God redefines generosity not by the amount given, but by the will or the desire that accompanies the gift. Because God looks at the heart. We saw last week, man looks at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. So to God, the desire to give is as important, if not more so, than the gift itself. God already has all the money, all the property on earth. What is in short supply is the willingness and the joyfulness which ought to accompany the gifts. And that willingness to give is produced by the gospel. Page 9 in your bulletin, the uh, sermon outline, Roman numeral 1, generosity grows out of the gospel. St. Paul writes, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you and I might become rich not only in temporal goods, but more importantly, in eternal truths, in the gospel, in the forgiveness of sins which he earned for us. And then Paul goes on, and he writes, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not together with him freely give us all things? I like to think of it like this. Jesus Christ is God's wide open window of heaven through which God pours down, rains down, all blessings upon us, temporal and eternal. Roman numeral two. Joyful generosity results from belief in the gospel, number one, and in the harvest, number two. Belief in the gospel and belief in the harvest. Letter A, the sorrowful giver, the reluctant giver, sees giving as wasteful. It's a waste. I could do something else with that money. And so I cite giver's remorse. I don't know if you've experienced giver's remorse. I know I have. And I've experienced it because when I gave, I was busy thinking about what else I could have done with that money. That's what's preoccupying me as I'm, as I'm in the very act of giving. What am I giving up? In the Bible, sorrow is always the result of loss. The loss of a loved one, the loss of one's reputation, the loss of one's property or homeland. Joy, in contrast, joy is always the result of gain. Jesus said there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents 
than over the 99 who think they need no repentance. See, the joy is in the gain. The shepherd rejoices when he finds the lost sheep. The woman rejoices when she finds her lost coin. People in Scripture rejoice at the birth of a child. Joy is always the result of increase, gain. And let her be. The joyful giver sees giving as gain. He sees it as something that's fruitful. It will bear fruit. And the refusal to give he sees as wasteful, believing that the gift is seed for sowing. And what do you do with seed? You sow it. You, you part with it in order to produce something greater, in order to produce a gain, the harvest. That is increase and that is joy. What happens to the seed that's never sown? It spoils. It's unproductive. You know, seed, I, I just bought some grass seed recently, a, a, a little bag at Lowe's that was like $75 for this little bag of grass seed. And it's viable for only about 12 to 18 months. After that, it doesn't germinate nearly as well anymore. If it's, the longer it sits in the bag, the less fruitful it becomes. Let her see. What we see as time, treasure, talents, and thoughts, that's kind of the stewardship spectrum that we talk about. What we see as time, treasure, talents, and thoughts, God sees as seed. Seed. Letter D. The harvest consists of increased faith in gratitude for and the glorification of God in addition to all earthly sufficiency. That is God's promise, that when we sow something, not only will we, will we receive back sufficiency, not luxury now, but sufficiency for our needs, but we will also experience the glorification of God. We will strengthen the faith of others who observe our giving we will increase gratitude to God for the gifts that are given. When you give willingly and gladly, it increases the faith of those around you because you are imitating God who willingly and gladly gives to all people. You become an image of him in the world when you give willingly and gladly. And people whose faith in God may be weak find their faith strengthened when they hear of your giving or when they observe you bringing your pledge forward. Your pledge is returned to you unopened. It's between you and the Lord. But it's a visible sign of faith, and that increases the faith of those around us. Your giving encourages others to give, and your giving results in more gain, a harvest of thanksgiving for God and the glorification of God. That is to say, when you give willingly, when you give gladly, everybody benefits from that. Letter E. Because of Christ, God forever remembers, he remembers your every righteous deed and he forgets all your sins. 
in verse 8 in your epistle reading. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency, now not luxury now, but having sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, and this is a quote from the Psalms, and it's an important one, and it's not speaking of God and God's giving, it's speaking of the giving of the child of God. He, the child of God, has distributed freely. And the word there for distribution means to scatter, to scatter something around. Like the sower goes out and he sows his grain and he just flings it everywhere. He has distributed or scattered freely. Now that it looks so wasteful to the unbeliever. I read on. He has given to the poor. His righteousness, meaning his giving, endures forever. What you give, in other words, never dies. It never passes away. Whatever you give endures for eternity. And this is what I mean. In Acts chapter 10, there is described a Roman centurion named Cornelius. Now, Cornelius was not your typical Roman occupation soldier in Palestine. He was a devout, God-fearing man, we read, who gave generously to the needy, and he helped the Jewish people build a synagogue. Now, an angel appeared to Cornelius in a vision, saying, Cornelius, your prayers and your donations have ascended as a memorial before God. In other words, his giving ascended to God like a burnt offering would go up to God. God remembered the good deeds of Cornelius. And God remembers every good deed you have done. God is like a parent who keeps a scrapbook of his children's achievements. God remembers your good works, but he forgets your sins. And I, I refer you to the judgment scene in Matthew 25 where, where when the Son of Man returns, he gathers all the nations before him and he separates them as a shepherd would separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep are on his right, the goats on his left. And he says to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Why? For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. On and on it goes. He ticks off one after another the good deeds they performed in the strength that God gave them and he rewards them for that and not a word is ever said about their sins. They've been forgiven at the cross. My friends, what you give willingly so pleases God that he remembers it forever. He memorializes it. A couple of years ago, I was with my wife Harriet and my daughter Ivana uh, in Washington, D.C., and, and we're walking around the mall, and, and you know, there's monument after monument after monument <laughs> in Washington. There's you know, the Lincoln Memorial, there's the Jefferson Memorial, there's Martin Luther King Memorial, and the World War II Memorial, and the Korean War, and on and on it goes. We memorialize achievement. God memorializes what we have done by His grace. It's really not our achievement. It is God's achievement through us, but He rewards us as if we did it ourselves. 
That's grace upon grace. That's our God. God memorializes what we have done. Again, verse 9, I, I read it again. He, meaning the generous man, has scattered freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness, meaning his giving, endures. It endures forever. My friends, reluctant givers focus on what they are giving up. Joyful givers focus on the promise that whatever we give up today not only produces a harvest of blessing in this life, it also becomes a memorial to God's grace in the next. Not only should we consider our time, treasure, talents, and thoughts as seed, but Roman numeral three, Jesus saw his own life as seed. He saw his life as seed. Jesus said in John 12, Now is the time for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. You see, his death is his glorification. Letter A, he accomplished more by dying than by living. Jesus said, when I'm lifted up from the earth, meaning on the cross, I will draw all men to myself. It's not when he was teaching in the synagogue that he was drawing all men to himself. It's not when he was healing the sick that he would draw all men to himself, as good as those things were and as necessary as they were, but it's when he's lifted up. It's when he sees himself as seed sown by God for the increase of many. Then he's glorified. Then he draws all men to himself. Letter B. We, you and I, are God's grain as well. Again, Jesus said, unless a kernel of wheat, that's Jesus now, falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces what? You and me. It produces many seeds. We are the many seeds that Jesus has produced through his death and through his resurrection. And we bring glory to him by dying every day to our sinful desires. That's burying ourselves by dying daily to our own desires so that we might live generously and joyfully every day for him. Everything God has given you, time, treasure, talent, thoughts, can and should be thought of as grain. Everything God has given you has the potentiality of grain, the potentiality of fruitfulness. Everything God has given you has the potential to grow into something greater than it is today. And when you believe that, not only will you be generous, but you'll be joyfully generous. I know to the unbeliever, Scattering treasure here and scattering treasure there appears as so wasteful. But we know that when we let go of what God has given us, we're not being wasteful. It's just the opposite. We are sowing. We are sowing our grain. And we do it joyfully because we're looking ahead to the gain. We're looking ahead to the harvest. In Jesus' name, amen.
the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.